High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome, foodies, valedictorians, and anyone who's really going through a lot right now. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the party's at my place this evening. But first, school's still in session, and we have some homework to chat about. This was your assignment, and I... Would like to see the results. You know the drill by now. It's your junior year. But if you haven't already for some reason, hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening, whether it be Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And remember that you could also listen at the flagship, cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me, home of so many other great podcasts, including Foodie Films, which is the podcast of my guest today, Kyle Reinfried, and our podcast together, P.S. I Love Hoffman. And of course, it is the home of Too Fast, Too Forever, a sister podcast of ours, and I call them sisters because these guys are my sisters, Joey, Joe Two. We had a nice little crossover episode last week, so I know you did your homework and you listened to our episode on Better Luck Tomorrow, but I want to make sure that you listen to the listener-acclaimed episode, the twin episode of Better Luck Tomorrow, on their show, Too Fast, Too Forever. I was told it was very fun. I didn't listen because Joey originally was like teasing me and said it went off the rails, but apparently it went off the rails in a good way. I'm going to listen to that one today. You do your homework as well. I'm the teacher. I don't have to do my homework every week, but you have to because this is High School Summer Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films, and you listen to me anyway. <laughs> so... Other homework was to watch today's film. It's a new film, so you still got to rent it, but it's one I definitely want you to check out. It's a big deal to me to, I don't know, be able to cover films of this era too, as well as the nostalgic ones. See my twin episode, please, please, about 2020 films. It was done at the end of last year, and this was one of them we covered, Words on Bathroom Walls. And I invited Kyle on because it's a foodie film, and he is the foodie films man. He loves food, he loves films, he loves films about food. So yeah, really the perfect movie for him, I think. But before we get into that, Brian Rodriguez is here for a little segment we like to call High School Movie News.
Thank you, Brian. This is Brian Rodriguez with High School Movie News. And unfortunately, we're starting off with some sad news today. Cloris Leachman, the legend, comedic legend, acting legend, passed away. And I wanted to bring it up here because she actually won an Oscar in a high school film. The Last Picture Show, which we covered here with Joey Lewandowski and Tobin Addington. It's a great movie. It's one of the greatest high school movies of all time. That's for sure. And she's great in that. I deplore you to do your homework, listen to that episode, but watch the movie and watch some of her earlier work. Yeah, I think in later years she was more known as kind of just this like fun, horny old lady from the Mary Tyler Moore show. No, I'm not talking about Betty White, who is still alive, thank God. Cloris Leachman, though, a legend. We saw her in other films, too. What did we see her? Oh, she was in Sky High as the nurse. And there's another film we'll cover that's a Hoffman film that she's in, My Boyfriend's Back. But that only, like, slightly encapsulates how important she was. So rest in peace, Cloris Leachman. We give you a high school slumber party shout-out. And we're all thinking about you and your family. Now some good news. Did you guys see that Mighty Ducks trailer? I don't know. It seems like they're going a little bit of the route of, uh, what do you, like, Cobra Kai and stuff? Are the Ducks bad? I don't really get it, but we covered D3 here with my good friend Chris Carroll here in High School Slumber Party, so I thought we'd bring it up. But yeah, I mean, let me know about your thoughts on the new Mighty Ducks trailer. It's going to be a series for Disney+. Plus. I'm really, really curious. We'll put it that way. That's all the news for this week. I'm sure there was other stuff, but the main thing, rest in peace, Cloris Leachman, watch your movies. I don't know if I'm allowed to assign you homework, but I'll get permission from the other Brian to assign you that homework. This has been Brian Rodriguez for High School Movie News. dismiss you i dismiss you oh and brian you have my permission guys cloris leachman rest in peace look into her work watch the last picture show i guarantee you'll be pleasantly surprised with her performance there not that you think she's bad or anything but i don't think a lot of people discuss that when they discuss cloris leachman rest in peace once again but it is that time so You can start putting those bags on your shoulders. You can start packing your favorite jammies, theoretically. Telling your mother you're sleeping at Brian's, because we're about to get our party on. I can't wait till you hear this episode with me and Kyle. Words on bathroom walls. If you haven't seen it or heard of it, hopefully this entices you to watch it. What am I saying? It's your homework. You should have watched it by now. The Chainsmokers do the soundtrack. So let's leave you with... The Chainsmokers push my luck. Class dismissed. Broad Street, yeah, we met over Saki. Might have started off rocky and ruined our first day. But last night, when you finally called me, I ran straight through the lobby. I couldn't keep you waiting. 
you like your space with your one roommate? Do you mind if I see you tomorrow? Yeah, I know, yeah, I know, yeah, I know, yeah, I know that you work Sundays for minimum wage. Should I have known that you would take hold and never let go? Never let go. I think I might push my luck with you. Does another night feel alright to you? If I ask right now, would you think it through? Kyle, I guess this is the first time I've had you in 2021. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I know it's January, but we talk on our other show, P.S. I Love Hoffman, that I, I just don't remember. You were on in December, though, right? Yeah, for another round. Another round, of course. What a fun movie. Maybe you're my 2020, 2021, like, what modern movie guy. What a life. Such a oh. beautiful, beautiful life. Even though it's only been, like, a month, it's, well, one, it's felt, like, longer. <laughs> Two, like, that movie has, like, aged well, if that makes sense. Like, it's not like, oh, we saw it, and then I'm like, you know what? Maybe I overrated it that day. No, I think it's better than when we even talked about it. Oh, yeah. I need to purchase a copy of that movie, which I I rarely, I don't know, I haven't bought a movie in a while. I just want to own a tangible copy, because, I don't know. I just want to. That was a fun movie, and it was partially what inspired me to do a project I did a couple weeks later after we talked. Now, to be fair, I cheated a little. I had done some episodes of 2020 films, but I pretty much watched around 30 films in like a seven to 10 day period. Jeez. No, it was a seven day period, yeah. I mean, look, I work from home, so when I watched them, I wasn't like intently taking notes. I just kind of had them on in the background. I just wanted to do a little review of all the teen films of 2020. I didn't realize there was like 30 plus of them because... Who the hell knew, you know? Especially in 2020, when you're not going to the theaters. So it was something that I was so glad I did, because I realized, look, there were some bad ones, there were some good ones, and there were some great ones, and there were some interesting ones. I feel so bad for the filmmakers of 2020. Look, there are people I feel worse for, obviously. People who (laughs) suffer from COVID. But in our field, in talking movies... I feel bad for the filmmakers of 2020 because the only things that could really break out were things that were going on streaming services, things that Netflix had, because whatever Netflix touches is gold. But like indie films and a lot of teen indie films, really, there's a good chance that no one's ever going to see because of the year they came out. I feel like those these days end up on streaming platforms anyway, right? A good amount do. A good amount do. And we even covered one earlier in the year earlier in 2020, which was the Pete Davidson one. What was it? Big Time Adolescence. Yeah, Yeah, that wasn't supposed to be in theaters, right? It was supposed to be in theaters for like a quick run and then Hulu, but then they just threw it straight to Hulu. Yeah, because I I wasn't sure if I was thinking that or like mixing that up with King of Staten Island, because that was supposed to be, you know, Judd Apatow supposed to be theatrical. Full theater run. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the problem is... Only so many movies get the Netflix rub. And again, what is the Hulu rub, realistically? Yes, that Pete (laughs) Davidson movie did did well. I love a good Hulu rub. (laughs) (laughs) Another topic for another day. But we'll talk all about your Thailand trip, maybe on your show, Foodie Films. But in terms of... uh, Almost did a very inappropriate accent. (laughs) Glad you did. (laughs) Not all these films can get the Netflix distribution deal. Like Netflix, yes, they buy some films, but now they're mostly like funding and putting on films. Um, Hulu doesn't have a lot of exposure. It does have some. Amazon's got pretty good exposure. They have that deal with Blumhouse, which does a lot of the horror films. Yeah. And you'll get some there. 
Disney Plus, sure, but most people, let's be honest, are watching Disney Plus for either old content or The Mandalorian, right? <laughs> now WandaVision. Now WandaVision. Now WandaVision, yes. But, like, how many teen films did you watch on Disney Plus? I'll take it even a step back. How many new films did you watch on Disney Plus that weren't related to, like, former Disney properties? Not a lot. Or none, probably, right? None that I can think of, now. <laughs> I think this is a year that taught a lot of lessons. I could see 2021 everyone's just shooting to get on a streaming service. But most of the films that I saw, not most, I would say half the films I saw that weren't on a streaming service ready to go were intended to kind of have these like indie runs, get things through buzz, and unfortunately, it didn't happen. Words on Bathroom Walls is one that definitely, definitely wanted to benefit from that kind of indie run. It had a pretty small budget, $9 million, but it only ended up making $3 million, and most of it because of rentals it, it actually came out in the theater in august but yeah you yeah, remember exactly. august <laughs> i think with also a lot of these films i think they would have had some kind of festival showing as well oh for and sure so You're absolutely right about that. via the festivals so that's you know obviously something that's not happening in the industry right now you'll have your reps from hulu amazon netflix etc for and sure their get, markets and they'll get to see a crowd reaction and even with you know with with some bigger films films that ended up being bigger but like I, i'm not trying to put teen films into a you know a separate genre or anything like that but just I, I always use Our Idiot Brother, which is a film that we both enjoy, as an example. I mean, it's Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd's been around forever. I mean, that movie was made, I don't know, in 2011 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So he's not Ant-Man yet, Paul Rudd. But nonetheless, it's Paul Rudd. That's a film that was shown at a festival, and then they made them change the ending. So my point being, like, festivals are a big deal for smaller indie films because that's where it gets some exposure and especially in these streaming platforms they'll see it that way they'll get to see crowd reaction it's just it's kind of like screening it you know for execs at a studio except even better because you're just getting that reaction you get to talk to people afterwards and they're they, they don't know that they're shaping how this film will be released for sure and that's a really good point i mean i've thought of festivals as a place yes for that market these days for streaming services to pick up but also that crowd reaction i wasn't really thinking about that that's you know huge and in this film you know if you read the tea leaves and kind of look at all the critical response sites the crowd reaction has been better than the critical reaction mm-hmm. but it's not crowd reaction i'm i'm using you know air quotes i know you can't see that on a podcast <laughs> Because it's just at-home crowd reaction. It's not, you're right, if it was this was in a festival maybe and they saw how people were reacting, maybe they changed something, maybe they love it, maybe they realize, hey, you know, this isn't for me necessarily. This is for a teen audience. I can use this on my streaming service, pump some, you know, promotion into it, and you're probably going to get people to watch. I mean, the Netflix ones do really, really well. Netflix doesn't release their data, but... You see, like, in terms of streaming power and then things coming up on your even feed. Gifts being made. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's true. No, there's there's things out there that, like, will show you that people are watching films that they are being talked about and they're becoming, I don't know, just 
I was about to say water cooler talk. There's not even water cooler talk anymore. <laughs> I laugh now. Two big things that come along with movies are movie posters and trailers and it's just like for so many of these things the those aren't being seen or like what's the point of creating a poster now besides us getting to post them on our instagram feeds (laughs) (laughs) i think of being young and walking into a like a smaller theater like by where we grew up the westwood theater just Mm -hmm. always had right in that main uh you know entrance way just like a bunch of movie posters and you're like oh that one's coming oh what's that yeah i mean we grew up that's before like the internet and like obviously in the olden times yeah exactly (laughs) but i i think now the art is more important for those streaming services like oh that looks cool i'll rent that you know yeah well definitely (laughs) definitely for catching your eye uh uh, yeah on the streaming platforms or yeah like i mean if there's an article about and you're like Oh, I need to I need to check that out. For sure. There were some films that I did in my rewatch that I think are going to specifically one and I've already seen Oscar buzz for it uh, called Sometimes Always Rarely Never. That's one that's getting a little bit of buzz. That's an indie film that was a rental, but now it's on streaming for HBO. When it's stuff like that, I think the cream rises to the top and the critics are going to find it somehow, right? But things like this that, again, are more probably marketed to teens, if they're not in the right place, like, now this is only six bucks. Kyle, I rented some that were 20 bucks. Oh, boy. And yeah. I'm like, that's, come on, come on. <laughs> but this is only six bucks. But still, for a teen to just be, like, bored one day and be like, oh, do I watch the free movie? And again, it's not free, but their parents are probably paying for it. But the free movie on Netflix or the $6 one on Amazon, they're probably going to pick the free one again. Free, air quotes. Yeah, hey, I mean, if it wasn't for your podcast, I mean, you gained this movie another, you know, 12 bucks between your viewership and mine. (laughs) Or at least, I mean, you know, like, you would have watched it, but having me as a guest, like, yeah, I probably wouldn't have watched it. But, you know, hey, I I ended up enjoying it. It's something... It was something new, which is just like, I can't tell you how much I appreciate just watching new things because i'm just re-watching and re-watching so much and kyle that's my biggest takeaway from doing that crazy thing of watching all those movies in like that week span is like wow i really need to watch more new stuff and not just the mainstream marvel new stuff like i i love seeing this new stuff from filmmakers and again not everything that has to be even oscar worthy it's just good seeing new stories and that was what was so refreshing about this and One of the reasons, probably the main reason I asked you to be the guest today is the food connection here. We know Foodie Films is on hiatus. (laughs) Yeah. But of course, our main character here wants to be a chef. He uses food as a coping mechanism. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But I, I just wanted to clarify that you and I are both not mental health experts. We're, I mean, as far as I know, we're not schizophrenic. But it's something that I think this is a movie that's probably better if you're not. Because I could imagine someone who is being like, it's not like that. And kind of ruining it. Oh, it's you know not I mean? like it's not like Venom is always trying to take over your life. I don't know if you saw Tom Hardy's Venom, but that's what like that's what that black shrouded smoky. Oh yeah, that was called. Reminded the, uh, me of in the subtitles. What was the name? Oh, the darkness. It was uh, called in the subtitles. The darkness. <laughs> I really enjoyed that aspect of the movie because it, it's something I don't understand, but I feel like it theoretically, if it's close to what things are, it, it helped me understand. Unfortunately, kind of with the 
movie poster has also gone the back of the DVD write-up. Oh, yeah. That's Lost with the Dodo. Uh, I rented this on Amazon, so I'll read the shitty one-line Amazon (laughs) summary. Here goes. Diagnosed with mental illness, a witty and introspective teen falls in love with a brilliant classmate who inspires him to open his heart and not be defined by his condition. I mean, yeah. Sure, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's not bad. It's, it's just not like, bad, but yeah, there's no... Yeah, there's no, um, no there could be more flair in there, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing mentioned about the cooking. No. Uh, and again, the only reason I watched it, because I just looked up movies that came out that were teen movies... So, Kyle, a trend that we saw a lot last year, the year before for sure, and I think we're going to see a lot of two in 2021, but who knows, is adaptations from YA novels. Oh, okay. This was one of them as well, but famously, which I've covered on my show on Netflix, two ones that did amazing for Netflix were, first, the... Oh, I made you watch it. The Kissing Booth, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so the Kissing Booth and the Kissing Booth sequel, the, those come from a YA novel. But also the two, All the Boys series comes from a YA novel. But this has been going on for like a couple of years. Netflix just happens to corner the market now. Like The Fault on Our Stars. Yeah, YA I was going to say. That did really well. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know. There's always been a big correlation between YA novels and then the teen films that have come out. I feel like over the last decade, right? It wasn't, I mean, Twilight's that, right? Yeah, oh, for sure, for sure. But now I think it's in overdrive, especially for the streaming services. And to be clear, what I was talking about before, like this wasn't or isn't on a streaming service right now. It's just for rental. But Netflix has a ton from YA novels, and a lot of streaming services have a ton of adapted things from YA novels. And I think like some people are sick of it, but doing this show, I always remind myself that not every movie is for every person. And most of these YA adaptations are for teenagers, which accounts for a lot of the melodrama and stuff. But hey, you know, it's a genre. I'm totally fine with it. Well, you know, it's also why I think that you're saying it's going to be even more of a boom or what is going on right now is because think about how much of the process you're cutting out if you already have a full written out source material. Sure, you have to adapt it into a screenplay versus a novel, Mm -hmm. but... In a world where we're, you know, people aren't meeting up as much in person, and I don't know, it's just a lot easier to tell someone to go out there and start reading a bunch of novels, and if they think that there's a good story, you know, go ahead and bring it to a producer or whatever. And I, I think these studios, too, or should I say, you know, streaming services as well, I think it's easier if they see, oh, this book did well, or the story is good, that, like, you know, it's a safer bet than unfortunately sometimes just organic new stories which we're getting less and less of unfortunately um but again that's not a criticism of this i don't read ya novels generally i'm sure you don't either (laughs) i don't read we know this (laughs) yes yes so they're always unique stories to guys like you and me right yeah (laughs) um so the wouldn't it freak you out if i just started listing off like my favorite ya novels i would be impressed i'd be like that's great (laughs) (laughs) This is a YA novel by an author named Julia Walton. It's from the same name, Words on a... I keep saying the title wrong. It's Words on Bathroom Walls. I always say Words on the Bathroom Walls. Oh, yeah. I definitely want to talk about the title because I just... uh, Not a problem, but I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) You got a bone to pick with the title here. We'll talk about it now. We're talking about it. 
I don't know what I, I don't have. You know, uh, I should have tried to come up with some suggestions of alternate titles, but like, I I just feel like there's a better title out there somewhere. It just seems like such a specific title for what there's the first one of the earlier scenes in the Catholic school that he reads some some words on the wall, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in the in the bathroom when he's at while he's at the urinal, and then towards one of his bigger freakouts he sees all those words on the wall in the bathroom and and they're cool visual moments but it is you're right like that doesn't encapsulate what this is really about i just imagine to be honest with you that it's probably a bigger deal in the book and they just kept the title yeah i get i that that would definitely help make sense of why this uh title exists i don't know they just uh, i'm not saying this as the host of foodie films but like they just food is definitely like you know him cooking there's such an emphasis on it i would just think that there would be some kind of any you know it's ya so i'm not expecting brilliant titles i'm expecting something uh to the pun level maybe so it's just like you like a good pun i do like a good pun and I mean, in the world of cooking, I think there's just like endless puns. So it's just like, I don't know, stirring something. I don't know. should be like, not that stirring something should be the title, but stirring, stir, <laughs> no, stirring, stirring blank, you know, stirring the pot, uh, stirring around. <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's fair to say they did this film a little bit dirty with the food elements here. Like in terms of, it's not in any of the marketing, but I think that goes back to like Fault on Our Stars and that kind of stuff. Look at the poster or whatever or whatever did you rent it on amazon yes like the background there is mostly like you know them kissing or it looks like romantic and well yes there is a lot of romance in this film it's not like that you know it's not like a straight up like boy meets girl like get to know each other kind of yeah thing. i mean he even it is one of the like, final lines of the movie is him saying now you know i'd love to tell you that it's like love helped me you know b- break this disease or this mental illness you know but that's not how it works so i mean it is a pretty you know straightforward fundamental film of saying that yeah no it's mental illness it isn't something that's going to get glossed over at the end yeah so i mean that's a fair fair criticism on the title though it is what it is yeah one of my one of my one of my few criticisms of the film so okay so production wise as i mentioned it is adapted by a julia walton novel you said julia walton yeah julia walton it's her last name so it'd be funny but it's just like i got excited it's like she related to walton goggins that's a first name but okay (laughs) we'll talk about him but first thor freudenthal is the director what a name what a name he seems to work in the younger film genres and even just content for younger people he's directed a bunch of episodes of those cwdc shows mm-hmm. but he, what he had like diary of a wimpy kid yeah uh percy jackson percy jackson yeah <laughs> hotel for dogs was his other film <laughs> but but even when he wasn't um like the lead director like he did uh he worked visually with effects on Stuart little and haunted mansion so like you don't think of it as such but this is an effects film as well oh yeah there's a lot of effects in this film props to thor we'll say on that (laughs) not a lot of production notes that's probably because a it's new and b it wasn't really a big film the other pretty big production note this soundtrack was done by the composer andrew hollander and he's kind of like a uh, songwriter for 
Pop People. He actually did another film we talked about here, My Friend Dahmer. But the soundtrack is performed by the Chainsmokers, which are a really, really popular band for the older crowd out there. Um, they're like an EDM group. So that to me tells me that they had higher expectations for this film than what it ended up being. And then 2020 just got in the way. If you're going to get like a top DJ band to do the soundtrack here. As far as the other stuff we said that this director has worked on, I mean, it ends up, I think this is probably his most serious content. Although, you know, it's still about high schoolers, sure. But between, you know, mental health issues and just, I think the... um, the level of uh, I don't know the ca- the cast was really good. I, I I enjoyed all the young actors. I was gonna say like this is I didn't even think about this when I asked you to come on. It was more for the foodie thing, but some of the older actors are people you enjoy too. But oh <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's start with our leads though. And uh, Charlie Plummer plays Adam Petrozelli. Yeah, Petrozelli. Yeah. <laughs> we say that because we we grew up with a friend who had the last name Petroselli. Yeah, it's, it's only said a few moments. Like she says it when they're on the kind of their first date, and I was like, mm-hmm. "What? What'd she just say?" And then, <laughs> nope, Adam Petroselli. And I actually like this guy. I, I hope he's in a lot more stuff coming up. He was actually in another teen film I watched for that whole uh, end of twenty twenty recap. Um, he's been in stuff since he was a kid, apparently. It says Boardwalk Empire. Ah, okay. I wasn't really familiar with him. He has an upcoming project that's supposed to be a pretty big thing called Moonfall. Roland mm. Emmerich is the director, so big <laughs> sci-fi film. He's got he's got a, a, a Scandinavian look to him. Uh, <laughs> he looks like he could be like a, a Skarsgård or something. So The other film he was in this year was a film called Spontaneous, which I also really liked. And Spontaneous is a film... By the writer of The Babysitter, which is another film that we've covered here. Oh, which that was like a, a Netflix ne- one, right? Yes, yeah, yes. And that film is another one that kind of went under the radar, went straight to rental, unfortunately. And um, I don't think enough people saw because I thought it was cool. And But it's like accidentally topical in 2020, or t- now 2021, because it's about a pandemic sort of thing that happens in this town where people just spontaneously combust. But it's kind of like a horror comedy love story thing. But yeah, he was in that as well, and he did a really great job too. So two teen films in 2020. So Charlie Plummer, good for you. Taylor Russell plays Maya Arnez, who's the lead girl in this. I was not familiar with her. I am I am smitten. You like Taylor Russell? Yes. I thought she I was thought phenomenal. She did, I thought she was great. She needs I, to be in more stuff. She had me... I don't know, there's something about the that hello. cadence... Like her first lines of dialogue, yeah. There's something, yeah, something about her delivery. Her she has cadence. a great voice. She, yeah, she has a great voice. It's, it's like soothing, but like angsty. Like, I mean, it's obviously also part of her performance. But yeah, just really enjoyed her presence. Yes, she is very attractive. Looked up, she's 24, so we're in the clear. Yes, you're okay, Kyle. <laughs> it's a teen film. I feel it's not like something I do for every movie I'm watching, but if I'm watching a movie about high schoolers and. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, these days, I think age depictions are much more accurate in teen films. Yes, 100% they are. So she's actually one of the leads in that Lost in Space series on Netflix that I've never seen, and I was surprised it's still a thing. 
not that's not me dissing it. I just haven't seen it. And then isn't the the mom in this movie is her? Yeah, 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 yeah. She's in that as well. I don't know if they met there. I don't know if they have similar things. Molly Parker. I think a lot of people will recognize her mostly from this horror film called Escape Room. I'm not a big horror guy. I'm getting more into it now with this podcast. I know you're not a huge horror guy, Kyle. Yeah. Escape Room came out in 2019. When I look at the amount of money that these horror films make that I've never even heard of, I'm flabbergasted. Like, let's see. Escape Room, $9 million budget, $155 million at the box office. People love to get (laughs) scared. People love being reminded of death. They love that kind of stuff. I, I, I am getting more and more... Just like, why am I gonna put myself? I mean, I never, I never enjoyed it. Like, like when I went to go see uh, Paranormal Activity, it was like such a. I don't know. Everyone was like, "You gotta go see it." And like, I forget who I, I think I saw it with, uh, like Wes and Dan Kim. People, I mean, you've had on the podcast, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, your listeners should be maybe unfamiliar, but nonetheless, uh, I don't know. We made it like it was an event. I think we even like got stoned and went to go see it. <laughs> it was just like, yeah, you know, it was something like that. I don't enjoy gore and, uh, and someone's mentioned it even on my podcast before. Cause I've covered some horror, but there's, there's, a, there's a name that comes with that. Like, like, you know how, like we'll say food porn. There's something, that goes along with that kind of, you know, sexualizing uh, violence. I'm totally blanking on it. Right for now. sure, for sure. Um, it's something that I've gained a new appreciation for. Um, and I've also realized there's so many different genres in horror. Like gore, like you said, and ghost stuff, you know. It's different. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No Horror like... comedy and stuff. I have no idea what Escape Room is. But <laughs> if it made $155 million, there's a good chance... Some listener is listening right now. It's like, oh, that's the girl from Escape Room. There was so. also, I looked at her IMDb credits, and there's this movie called Waves. And it, it definitely, yeah. it rang, a, I, had, I haven't seen it. It rang a bell. I think uh, Sterling K. Brown is in it. It was this film that maybe I, did, I didn't bother watching the trailer for it again this time. But it, I don't know, it was just something I think I've read about. Uh, uh, maybe a, uh, again, like festival season, like, a, you know, the little film that people enjoyed. Something I'm gonna yeah, check out. Yeah, I want to cover because I like it's Sterling K. Film. Brown. I like her. So yeah, good point. Yeah, it's a teen film. Maybe you'll have to sign up for that one. Who knows? But uh, waves. Yeah, I, I definitely want to check it out. But I know nothing about it. But you're right. She's great in this. I I loved her in this. Yeah, she's a great anchor to the you know to like the two of them. I mean, he does a really good job. But I don't know. Was, I was just I was invested in her character. She just had me. Yes, invested right away. We just mentioned her, but Molly Parker plays the mom. Um, She's in a ton of stuff, aside from Lost in Space, because I don't even watch that show. (laughs) Oh, she's in. She won an Emmy for House of Cards. Remember, she was like that secret in the early season. She was like a Secretary of State that worked with him. And I didn't finish House of Cards, so I don't know. I didn't finish House of Cards either. But no, but she's like she's in Deadwood. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think because she she's an actress that I don't confuse. I, I recognize her. I don't. I, I don't know. I don't know her by name. And there's a couple other actresses. I just started. I just watched. It's only the two seasons, but that show Mindhunter. Mm-hmm. There's an actress on that, and then there's an actress that was. Did you ever watch the show The Leftovers? I know you're a big Leftovers guy, Mr. Lewandowski, the Godfather himself, big Leftovers guy. I didn't really uh, dip my toe into it, so. But I know you've told me it's a good show. Yeah, that's a good show. But there's an actress on that. It's the point being, there's uh, just 
the the mom from from this film is in this circle of women that just uh, remind me of one another <laughs> but yeah no she was she was a w- welcome presence she uh I, sh- I should i should call her by her name molly parker molly was just yeah like a really good sturdy mom in this film i liked her character here because it is stressful is a bad word I don't know, but just watching things from perspective of a mother who just loves her son, who will do anything for her son, but her, you know, she gets frustrated at times, but she's still just trying to help. I can only imagine how tough that is to be a, a parent of of someone with these kind of mental health issues and just be trying everything and trying to be hopeful for your child, especially, you know, the father runs out, which is, again, a common theme in YA novels and in... Uh, in uh, teen <laughs> films, to be honest with you, like a dead parent or yeah, you see, know, single parent somehow. Why has the dad leaving? Disney has moms getting killed. Like that's <laughs> <laughs> oh fun, oh fun. Her love and her relationship with her son is played against her relationship with her her new man in her life, her her new husband, Walton Goggins, who plays Paul. Good, good to see Walton Goggins and things, right? Oh yeah, and just like I feel like when you were just saying, her, you know, new person in her life, and then yeah, it becomes. Wait, do they even do they get married? Oh, I don't know. I just assumed. I yeah, have, maybe they're just partner. No, 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 no. But like, it's just like I just wanted you to say the word like her her beau because Walton Goggins just seems like someone's beau. <laughs> uh, he is just one of my favorite character actors. I'm trying to trying to. To me, think he of... has a lot of like John C. Riley in him, where he could play serious great and he could play comedy great, like flawlessly. Oh, him on the Righteous Gemstones is <laughs> so good. Just as so good as Baby Billy is just one of my favorite performances. I never watched uh, as as much as I like him. Um, I never watched the show The Shield, so maybe I, that's a show I should try to watch just for him since I enjoy his presence so much. But him on Justified. Justified was a show that I enjoyed so much. And I, I know, uh, I mean, hey, you mentioned it before, The Mandalorian. And we've talked about it, just like the serialization and the those, you know, one-off episodes. We'll compare it to Hercules or Xena and stuff like that. Like Justified for newer age television was doing that and mm-hmm. i really enjoyed that aspect of it and he was just so good and then, i mean he's in you know hateful eight and uh that vice principles vice principles yeah uh it's just even he's in the uh ant-man and the wasp i love him. he's just one of the best like i think character actors out there and like you said he can play serious he can play comedic. He's great. I was I forgot he was even in it to be honest with you, because um, again I watched these so fast. I'm like, oh, Kyle's gonna be happy about this. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really bother to look up anything before I press play, and then I was kind of going through like IMDb and just reading a few 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 things. So him, and then uh, I mean, I, I'll assume we'll say his name next, Andy Garcia. Ooh. I, I, both of them on screen if you have them in a movie I, i'm pretty much i mean you've, you've got you've <laughs> definitely got me interested if not like already you know sitting in the seat ready to watch it so <laughs> yeah andy garcia plays father patrick he was a welcome surprise when i was first watching i was like is that is that andy garcia you can't give awesome. him a night he's playing a priest it's andy garcia can't you know 
Can't Father Patrick is his name. Yeah. I feel like we've talked about him a couple times. Well, I know I've talked about him with Mike Manzi on his Third Times a Charm show for Godfather 3, but he was in my dinner with Hervé, which we did on your podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was in that. And for P.S. I Love Hoffman, we talked about him from When a Man Loves a Woman. Yep. Big Andy Garcia guy here, so... Bravo. Bravo, casting directors. Put Andy <laughs> Garcia in everything. And he's great. I love him as this priest character, right? Because he's not... I don't know. He's cool. He's not trying to be cool, you know? He's, like, effortlessly cool, but... Cool's a bad word, because I don't want to imply that he's, like, wearing a backwards hat. It's like, hey, kids. <laughs> no, he just has... Andy, Gar- Andy Garcia has gravitas to him. And at this mm-hmm. age, also in his life, he has this, like, wisdom... And just even when he's, like, holding the kid's hand to make a prayer, I'm looking at, like, Andy Garcia's hands. I'm like, those hands tell a story. So, point being, so you saying, like, cool, he's just someone that, like, I'm like, yeah, I want, I want to hear more from Andy Garcia in general. And then him as, like, any character because he just makes me go, like, yeah, this priest has a story. He plays a good foil, too, to the principal, Sister Catherine, who's played by Beth Grant. Um, she's been in a ton of stuff as well. Like she's more of like a character actor. I remember she had like a little bit part on that dinner party episode of The Office. She was a uh, Dwight's oh, she was um, Dwight's uh, babysitter, babysitter who was his date for yeah. the night. <laughs> but she's in she's in a ton a ton of stuff. She's in Speed if you remember. Oh, so she goes all the, the way one, back. To yeah, then. that doesn't want it. She run, gets run over. She gets scared. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like No Country for Old Men, Donnie Darko. The Mindy Project, apparently. So she's in a lot of stuff. And she played a great nun. A great, like, yeah. principal nun. A good penguin. Is that? <laughs> can we not say that anymore? I don't know. If that's... I don't know. Uh, if the nun's listening, let us know. <laughs> the only other person I recognized in the cast, and trust me, there are a lot of people who play great roles. Like, uh, the bodyguard character, and we'll get into his car- uh, his um, visions in a little bit. But the guy who plays the bodyguard, his name is Lobo Sebastian. What a cool name. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> but uh, Rebecca, who is like the hippie-ish um, vision he sees, she's played by Anna Sophia Robb, who was a child star because she was in Bridge of Terabithia, yeah, Race to Witch Mountain. Did. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. That, that like uh, Sex in the City spinoff on the CW, The Carrie Diaries. <laughs> yeah. A ton of stuff. So and, and I thought she did a great job. Yeah, there. I forget. What did he say? She's like, oh, kind of like... Uh... Something meets Coachella. I forget, like, what she... What yeah, yeah, like, like, she's, like, a Coachella kind of hippie. So, before, though, we get into his visions, I wanted to talk to you specifically about something... I guess his coping mechanism here as cooking. What were your thoughts about that? Because there's a kind of a little montage in the beginning. He's talking to his therapist, who we never see, about this drug that he might take or, or not take. But he's talking about basically how he was first diagnosed with schizophrenia. They thought it was an eye condition. They thought it was something else. Eventually, they find out that's what it was. And the only thing for a while that you know kept him at peace, and for, you know, I shouldn't say for a while because it's for the movie as well, is cooking. And he becomes an amazing chef like it's not just his family who's impressed by the time we reach him in the movie he's into cooking school already he's already been accepted so. yeah what do you think about this whole aspect of the film uh i mean it's definitely i was it was a, it was a happy presence i'm always always enjoy any kind of cooking story but yeah like it happened so early on in the movie at least the introduction of how important it is to his life and he says it's a a distraction it's his self-medicating and we see he just gets this um you know 
more than just even like a distraction like a, i think it just helps with like a tunnel vision so these voices and these people aren't like aren't bothering him uh and ends up i guess not being enough because it's like i mean he just can't be cooking all the time mm-hmm. but yeah just like his depiction of cooking i you know they're using words like palette and stuff like that so to me it's showing you know just like a plus side of the world of cooking and how it can can be helping i mean cooking i i feel like it's very divided in, in general i think you know, people cook or they don't cook but then you know of course there's a margin of the level you cook this kid mm-hmm. obviously you know they never say well, at one point they when he's nerding out with uh with Maya and they're comparing the camps they've done and events they've gone to mm-hmm. he mentions something about some kind of cheese something or other yeah uh, cheese workshop <laughs> in Oregon or something but it doesn't seem like he you know went and like learned knife skills or anything like that it just it just seems like everything is self-taught and he just really took on the mantle of cooking for his mom because she was just so you know heartbroken and just so you know i mean just became a single parent when his dad left so that's what he wanted to do for her since they became you know like a team just the two of them before walton goggin comes in her life what's his name paul (laughs) paul yeah paul before paul comes in so yeah just like the many aspects of cooking and just I mean, how talented he is and just experimenting with dishes and just how it can be a helpful thing. But uh, what I was saying, as far as divided, people love to cook or people don't like to cook. But for him, it's just bringing also this joy and the people that love to cook. I think that's something really important that it brings joy. You You love the process of it, but then seeing that reaction from somebody and so that's what it really means to him that was a special connection for him and his mom and then for you know for other for maya later on and stuff like that so for sure it's like how he shared you know it's how he was able to express himself with others and it does show that he has that best friend early on that he ends up uh burning or whatever with the acid yeah uh accidentally obviously but he does have relationship. It's not that he's like insular like that, but you're right. It is like one of his biggest ways of relating, you know, not that I have schizophrenia once again or anything like that, but it also reminded me of, so recently I went to once a week and like this week only having one episode, it like started to get to me. I started to think about things that I probably shouldn't think about in terms of, you know, scary, depressive thoughts. <laughs> Again, I don't want to scare anyone, not to this level, but I'm like, why am I like going to this dark place? And then I'm like, you know what? What would I be normally doing? Wow, I would normally be editing a podcast. And probably, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to say I'm enjoying the editing process or anything like that. Obviously, I enjoy <laughs> recording. I enjoy putting the episode out. And, and it is a labor of love. But, but it reminded me of this film a little bit in terms of like cooking is also that outlet. And again, I'll readjust. I'll be fine. But this is also not, a time of a pandemic, which I can't imagine. You know, I mean, I've, I mean, every, for sure, everyone's going through it in different ways. But that, you know, that for me, like the, you know, pandemic is definitely not helping with like my mental health status. And that's exactly why I went to twice a week because I had all this free time, and you know, it was scary out there, and I was going twice a week. It became a little too much um, for the time being. And I just wanted to catch up on things again. 
you know, rehashing if you're a listener of High School Slumber Party. Oh, no, that's and, and that's what you said. As you said, Foodie Films is on a hiatus, and that's even you know just once a week for me. I mean, there's a, there's a this is one of the reasons, but uh, I mean, it does have a lot to do with the pandemic. But at the same time, it was just getting to a point that, uh, as you said, labor of love before, but it, it just kind of felt more and more like some aspects of it were becoming like a chore. So I'm like, you know, what? I just need to take this little this breathing moment and then also right now you know because of pandemic it's it's tough to get uh you know some some new guests in and just recording remotely and everything Mm -hmm. technical that comes with that but no i get i get what you're saying i mean and that's yeah definitely something that i was thinking about as well with uh with his cooking as far as a distraction and his labor love his a form of communication and just just uh definitely one of his deeper ways of expressing himself for sure and again i think we all have things in our life or hopefully that we put our energy into and and for some people it's parenting you know it's things like that um for some people it's writing or or whatever and it's nice that he has something like this when we see those cooking moments later and he starts to struggle with it and almost like he loses his touch it's so much more heartbreaking yeah, because it's yeah. like it's like oh man. <laughs> well, yeah, it puts it on when when he he's you know those muscle spasms. I didn't even know there was that. Um, later, he says that like his taste goes in and out, but just the muscle spasms alone. I, I was actually expecting. I'm surprised they didn't go for like a bigger moment of a muscle spasm and uh, cutting himself or like I was just like uh, like I was I was yeah. fearing the worst. In general, and then also in some cliche ways, but uh, as far as a story beat, but yeah, like it just made it that much more him, uh, you know, vulnerable and you know something that was I was fearing for his character. And you mentioned the taste thing, and of course, a lot of people uh, for COVID have been experiencing lack of taste. Didn't you say you had a friend who? Has gained like a lot of uh, Instagram followers. Oh yeah, he, he just became bites random crap. Ridiculous. I mean, he, he yeah, he gained it back by now. And but like he like his just biting into a raw onion and doing these taste tests. Uh, yeah, this guy is a local bartender, and uh, well, yeah, while he was in quarantine and just you know didn't have taste, <laughs> he um, became like a TikTok star. He was on a German news program. They interviewed. What? Him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and that's truly making, you know, and no pun intended, like uh, lemonade out of lemons, right? Oh, yeah. But I know you got COVID, Kyle. You didn't have uh, any Zero symptoms. symptoms. But I think you would have been very upset if you lost your taste for an extended period of time. Would have gave, given me, I mean, yeah, for an ex- I mean, it depends on how long the period was. It was for a couple of weeks and... Uh, I, I probably would have piggybacked on what Russell was doing, and, <laughs> uh, and you know, like did did some kind of thing and try to like one up, one up him or whatever. But yeah, I mean, for for longer than that, I mean, there's some people that you know got it early on. Uh, you know, I've read some articles about chefs, uh, you know, so people that are similar to Adam in this movie, but they're just established chefs that lost their sense of taste and and smell and they're just i mean you know at least in that kitchen environment so if they're a head chef then they have their sue they have you know they have trusted staff but i still can't imagine you know like not being able to taste a dish and see how it's coming along it's like beethoven becoming death like you have to pretty much be a genius to yeah uh, propel through it but if you're like an up-and-coming chef and you lose 
your uh, sense of taste or smell, that's not good because you're probably not going to no, yeah. you know, rise in the ranks and you might even get fired, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I, I looked at that. I'm like, wow. Would have given stuff. me a great reason to lose weight. I'm not, <laughs> <just> like... <laughs> uh, so the movie really kicks into gear when that incident I, I described. So he's going to a normal high school. He's doing pretty well, but he starts to really see the visions. And he describes his visions are... So Rebecca, who we mentioned... She's that Coachella hippie girl into, like, signs and your feelings. And he says he doesn't even mind her that much because she's just kind of a personification of a lot of his positive thoughts. I mean, it's still scary to see someone who's not there. I'm not saying, oh, it's not a big deal or anything like that. Yeah. But she's less harmful to him than some of the other people he sees. Then there's the bodyguard who sometimes he's joined by other bodyguards. He calls them temperamental but loyal. He kind of sort of represents fear, if, if it makes sense. Like, the bodyguard's not fearful himself, but his lines are a lot about doubt. Like, don't believe her, I'll kill her, I'll wreck her, I'll protect you kind of thing. Yeah, it's fear and anger. He looks like an extra from The Sopranos. Um... Badass, badass. <laughs> No, these these characters, and there's, I mean, there's the th- third as well, but they're very much like if anyone's ever seen the movie Inside Out, <laughs> and like, mm, yeah, that's a good, that's a good of, call. All of those characters, you know, at play. But yeah, what's the the third one? Is the, the Joaquin is the third one, and he's the horny best friend from a '90s teen yeah. film, as he's described, which is great for our podcast. Oh, oh, exactly. There's a couple of moments in this movie that I'm like, oh, this is great for like they're talking about other high school stuff, you know. Pop, yeah, high school yeah. pop culture. Yeah, for sure. And he's a, uh, <laughs> again, he's an asshole. He's obviously very misogynistic. But I think Adam kind of admits that's essentially like just his horny teen boy side, you know, <laughs> that's personified and has come out there. Oh, even uh, phrasing come out there. Oh God. Father Patrick even says like later on. I mean, Adam says like, oh, what do most people confess on like you know masturbating and he's like well this is a school of 13 to 18 year olds Uh. (laughs) the the fourth i guess vision he has um and and it's important to note that he said it just started out as voices that he could tune out and then it actually became these uh visions who are actually you know real people to him uh the fourth one is the darkness which we talked about and that's when things get really really bad the darkness caused him to uh spill that acid in science class on his best friend and get kicked out of school, his uh, public school. The darkness causes um, when he's actually has the meeting at the Catholic school, which, which, so he goes into, he transfers to a Catholic school and they're pretty much, the nun is like, you know, you can't do anything bad here if you want to stay here. Uh, But while he's in that meeting, he's imagining like her on fire. The darkness is the absolute worst thing that could happen to him in terms of visions. Sometimes it talks, as you mentioned. Yeah, it's uh, similar to like 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 Venom. Be funnier if it was the band The Darkness. No, yeah, (laughs) but I don't think they want to make it funny. (laughs) No, I know. No, no, it's 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 interesting because those three characters, you know, the three imaginary characters seem to be protecting him i mean the one that represents like fear anger he's like you you better go you better go they're like almost telling him to like remove yourself from this situation before the darkness can take Mm. you over so it's interesting i mean i would obviously never want to be seeing people that don't exist but out of you know like the darkness is purely like that's that's no good these other three seem to just be like a form of like his id yeah it's not good that you're seeing them like live like that but i I liked it in a sense 
how can I put it? It represented to me that, oh, yes, not all aspects of schizophrenia are just like, this person's crazy, you know? They're seeing evil things out there. Like, that there are certain things that are not benefiting. I'm not... It's a hard thing to say because I'm not a mental health expert, obviously. But that not everything is necessarily scary. Like, every, not everything's a manifestation You can You can that. live with a lot of things. And it's and also... As we learn in the end, you kind of have to sometimes. Yeah, well, you kind of have to. And it's also... It's a movie that's showing us the early stages of, like, understanding of, like, living with it. So, you know, I, I don't think... Um, besides obviously not being an expert or knowledgeable at all on mental health i i'm not even that on mental movies that deal with mental health but i i I don't i can't think of any or many that deal with the early stages of at least characters with mental health it tends i feel like we're usually like thrown in like this person is like already been living in this world for a while we see the person on the bus at one yes point. yeah and that's like and he's looking at him as like this is what i could be yeah and that's someone you know living in new york you see people struggling with mental health on the subway all the time so that to me was good to see as well it's like listen not everyone is like that but untreated Things could get bad. Yeah, he recognizes, Adam says, like, I mean, you know, being thrown out into the street and just, like, once people don't want to deal with that anymore. And just that whole that whole story of just, like, the girl that he went to school with that had cancer and everyone wants to, like, you know, they had to make a wish and the, and the boy band showed up to perform for her and mm-hmm. everyone loved that. And people wanted to help her, but no one wants to help the person with you know mental health issues with schizophrenia and that's a great point that this movie made too and it's so true the conversation on mental health in this country is not at the level as it is with cancer or things like even even in the world of cancer other cancers get highlighted more than you know i mean i actually didn't notice it this year in the nfl but like i mean october was always breast cancer awareness yeah you're right even in the world of cancer there are levels to it for whatever reason but the thing you know mental health is probably one of the most stigmatized things ever i feel like we're getting better but there used to be a time where you someone said oh i'm going to therapy and everyone's like are you crazy what's going on and that's like that's ridiculous now so i hope in like the next 10 years we get even the you know the conversation about mental health gets even more honest but uh he's right in this movie adam's right like there's no make i mean maybe there is now i don't know but according to this there's no make a wish for kids suffering from this but there is for other things i don't know it's a fucked up deal yeah I, yeah exactly i mean it's you know there there's certain things diseases out there illnesses i mean just even like you know that i feel like you know that's the good things that as the world i think becomes a more politically correct and more sensitive like these are the things yeah like that we have to learn and understand a mm-hmm. lot more which you know even or you know something like Tourette's i mean think about how many comedies use that as like a punchline having the Tourette's character. for sure and just like understanding things like that uh, you know just uh, yeah you you saying as far as you know people going for therapy that's why i i, I you know i I watched it in recent years for the first time, but you know, of course you get people that watch the Sopranos and especially being from uh, Jersey and you know, you you in New York, I mean, you know, Italian American around here and just like, Oh, you know, just like want to be all like typical 
mafioso guido tough guy but what's brilliant about a show like that that when i watch them like oh my god this is amazing it's about one of those cliche goomba guys going for therapy <laughs> like that's the that was the brilliance of that show yeah no for sure and I, that was one believe it or not one of the first shows that opened the conversation about therapy like yeah it's strange to think about but it's true the thing that this movie does so well that I think The Sopranos did well at times, and I think some art doesn't when it talk when they're talking about mental illness, there was an empathy to the character. Like I was feeling what Adam was feeling, and again, I don't know if this is exactly what schizophrenia is like. The only other real schizophrenia movie that I've seen that wasn't like a comedy or something silly was A Beautiful Mind. Yes, and I haven't seen it in a while, to be honest with you, but. I don't know. There's an empathy with it. He felt like a human being who was going through it, and you're rooting for him. And, you know, we'll talk about some scenes, but at, in the end, it doesn't tie a nice little cute, neat bow. I saw some criticisms of this film that were like, oh, you know, it's too cutesy of a story or too many things are predictable, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, it's a teen YA film, so I get that it's not going to be maybe like, you know, an Oscar-level film. But I didn't find it terribly predictable in every moment. There's some there's some scary shit in this movie. Yeah, no, earlier when I was being critical of the title and I said that I really didn't have, you know, too many other criticisms about it, one other thing that I wrote down, and it's a particular story beat that predictability, but I, I again, I understand where it's coming from. I mean, not that I didn't know that it was a YA novel, but just... I don't know, just, it's a story about teens and stuff like that. I'm always expecting a bit more melodramatic moments. And so, yes, did I call from 100 miles away uh, Maya's story beat of that's not her house and, you know, that that one for sure. Like, yeah, okay, there's predictability, but that that's, that's fine. I don't know, that was like a, ends up being like, I don't know, a C-level subplot of the movie, so that, that's, you know. It's okay. Exactly. And, and we're, especially where we go with the Maya character. I I get afraid in some movies that, like, oh, he's going to save her. You know what I mean? And there's none of that here. He just meets her family and gets to know her a little bit more. But it's not like he rescues her from that world or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. You know, even when he ends up to her house and cooking for her dad and her brothers, and I'm assuming her mom has passed away. I don't think she's left like Yeah, so the, the, the thing with her is, so she's at this school. She's the valedictorian. She's... But she's also running a secret, like, test cheating uh, thing. Not, te- not test. Wait, what is it? She- she's, like, writing papers. Oh, okay, that's what it is. Sorry. I just covered a movie, Better Luck Tomorrow, that had that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so she's writing papers for people. It's still very frowned upon in a school, and she probably should be expelled for it. Um, that's how he meets her, you know, on the first day when he's there. She's in, like, the bathroom making a deal. She's like, what are you doing here? And we find out, again, look, it's a little predictable, but whatever. Like, the, one of the reasons she's doing it is to support her dad, who's a roofer, who's injured, and he really can't work anymore. And, um, you know, she has two younger brothers. The mother isn't in the picture for whatever reason. I did love, though, that she didn't want to show that side of her, because that was her character the entire time, just trying to be tough. And when she goes up to him, that great scene when, they, when she goes up to him in the lunchroom, and she's kind of trying to big-time him, and... Both like the the horny guy and and uh, the Coachella girl <laughs> are like telling him what to say and do, and they have like a cute little banter there. 
I'm Maya. I'm Madam. I came over here to intimidate you into silence, but something tells me you're pretty harmless. Are you the school's drug dealer or something? You're looking at Santa Agatha's projected valedictorian. Show a little respect. What's with all the cloak and dagger in the boys' bathroom? It's just side hustle. I'm the kind of person who knows how to get things done around here. For a price, homework, essays. So you're like the Bernie Madoff of academic fraud? Sure, only I don't get caught. I think she's great in that too because she likes him. Yeah. Well, but she's still trying to put this facade on. She's going to charge him, or she's trying to charge his family $200 a week to do the tutoring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, she comes up to him in the lunchroom and says, oh, I was going to try to like strong arm you or like in- in- intimidate you, but I see that you're like harmless. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and she's constantly asking, Hey, is there anything wrong with you? And he's saying, No. They both have things that they're hiding, which. I'm sorry. It might be a trope, but that's also a good story beat. That's why it's a trope. Yeah, it's real. People don't want to share their problems. And, like, I mean, also, they're high schoolers. It's high school. You don't know how to express yourself. You still still aren't who you're going to be. Absolutely. Remember yourself in high school. I remember myself in high school. (laughs) Jesus. Yeah. Like, oh, man. Just, like, if I could go back and visit my past self, I'm not going to, like, try to pull like oh you know like invest in these stocks like i wouldn't like, you know, <laughs> i mean that would be great but like yeah. just time, <laughs> but just like time saved on just being like don't think about that stuff not even say do this so you can be what i like what i'm doing right now or whatever just like don't think about that stuff and i already don't consider myself a materialistic and like you know worrying too much about like what they're wearing like as long as i always i'm like i got good hygiene and my clothes are clean like i'm not like you know (laughs) i'm not too worried about my ensemble and everything like that your outfits yes you have a cute little like blossom hat that you wear with your stuff (laughs) i do a a little dance in the mirror (laughs) um these are not fully formed people, but I love seeing people grow together, and I feel like that's what they're doing here. So one of the big, I guess the major thing in this film, aside from switching schools and meeting the girl, is the fact that he's trying an experimental drug, which we discussed has side effects, um, which is just, you know, his hands get shaky, and he loses taste, and he just doesn't feel like himself eventually, which is not a good thing. The positive thing is that it does send the visions away. I love that moment, though, when he's, like, home alone and and his visions or his... Again, I don't know the proper term for what these are called in schizophrenia, but, you know, the people he sees aren't there anymore and he feels lonely. Because And I would... I could relate to that, not personally, but just from watching the film and thinking, this is who he talks to every day. And they're not there anymore. And as weird as that sounds, the sound of silence, if you will probably is weird to someone like that yeah i mean the, it, it does it, just thinking about if i was going to be like a little like one more like kind of critique towards the film i wasn't exactly that or or maybe just something i missed and it's not the film's fault but like it, it does seem like a little up and down on like that it's good that he doesn't like that he's not hearing these things or like at one point like it's troubling him or it's good for him or even when when he uh I think does his first confession with father Patrick and it's just like, 
he's like, oh, I've never like done that before. And like after that, it's like a, it's a good thing. He's like, I've never had clear mind. And it seems like he starts doing good in school besides obviously her helping him with tutoring and everything like that. That's why I mean, maybe this movie should be called like Cooking in Christ. it's just like i don't know it has a few moments i'm like wait so is it good right now that he's not hearing them or like you know but i actually like that aspect of it because uh he says that he's like a resistant person so that's why a lot of the drugs that are commonly used for schizophrenia that do actually work for people aren't really working on him Mm -hmm. and i just saw it as his body kind of becoming a little resistant to it it's not becoming resistant and just processing different you get that with a like not just with schizophrenia any kind of ailment um people especially in mental health people are switching medication all the time because something could work for three years and then stop working yeah or or the side effects become too much yeah or the side effects start to exacerbate and be you know 10 times as much as they were at the beginning so i think that's what they were trying to portray i I definitely know what you're saying it's this is a hard thing to portray it really is yeah i think they did a great job because i'm watching i'm like oh shit oh and i'm getting nervous at moments i'm getting scared for him at moments when I first saw this film, I was really hooked to what was going to happen here. Are there any moments you specifically wanted to talk about, aside from the ending, which we'll definitely address? I didn't know that Catholic schools now, some of them were co-ed, so that, for a second. Oh, yeah. I mean, even growing up, like, Paramus Catholic was co-ed. Oh, really? Um, oh, okay. Yeah. And more and more are co-ed these days, and it's honestly, well, good. a lot of times it's an economic thing. Like, why be paying the bills for two buildings when you could just pay the bills for one, you know? Sure, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, just it was enjoying the different uh, food in the movie. He brings sushi, sushi for lunch and is even using mm-hmm. the tweezers to uh, properly dress it. There's Hungry Man dinners, and then he does something with it, makes some kind of fancy, was that a chicken pot pie of some sorts that he makes for, for Maya's family? I didn't know what that was. Well, I loved that because, as you know, as a, the foodie films man, one of the greatest skills I believe you can have as a cook is opening a refrigerator and being able to prepare a great meal with what's there. Yeah, well, the dad the dad has that line. He's just like, oh, who knew like you could make something like this with what was in our fridge? Yeah. I mean, that's what's great about some of those cooking shows. I mean, there's just so many cooking shows out there now. But, like, the ones that are just like, okay, make, uh, you know, I think Chop does that. I think that's one of the mm-hmm. big, bigger ones. It's just like, okay, go ahead, make this, this, this out of this. And it's like things that shouldn't go together or just, yeah. Even a show that you worked on, Iron Chef, when they have like your top secret chef. ingredient today, a oh, Top Chef, Top Chef. Don't they? Don't they do that? Like today? Oh, I know Iron Chef does it. That's why I mentioned it. Where they're like, you have to cook with a mushroom today. But even I've seen Top Chef episodes where they're like, I think so. I can't. I honestly... to today, you know, we're in this place. You're using the local cuisine of this. Sure, Here's yeah. what you have. Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think a resourceful chef is able to do that. And you know, he's very resourceful in that one scene. Yeah, no, it was great seeing the food when they go out to that like dock area. By the way, this was shot in Wilmington, North Carolina. I know that's a big shooting place. Yeah, North Carolina has a pretty big film scene. That's where they shot Dawson's Creek, for example. I just looked that up the other day. Oh, okay. Like, I think it's on Netflix now. Which, by the way, they changed the theme song for Netflix. What the fuck? I was about yeah, to. Like, start... I don't want to yeah. wait. Do, do, no. do, do. What is the theme? I guess what they is... didn't want to pay for it, oh. so it's like some other bullshit song. Ugh. Oh yeah, no, annoying. So Dawson's Creek was on. I was watching it. And I'm like, oh, that doesn't really look like New England. Like, now that I've been around, you know? <laughs> and I looked it up, and they, they shot that in Wilmington. Um, so Wilmington's a very beautiful city. I've never been, but... Uh, yeah, there's that one shot, I think, before they go to see Never Been Kissed. 
and there's those uh i don't know what those trees are called but like i've seen them more in in like new orleans and stuff like that but the, oh yeah I, or I, I guess in, in 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 south carolina as well when we were in charleston oh true charleston but yeah. i was so I, I was i was actually thinking that then i yeah I, I went on to imdb and was like oh filming location i'm like oh okay north carolina not that you know but I bring it up because they have like kind of like first date thing where he brings her to the place that has like the lobster risotto, and I got so hungry. <laughs> ooh, ooh! Put lobster chunks in things, and I'm gonna eat it. Yeah, and she ends up getting a job at a restaurant because they pair. Oh yeah, pay, for pay, sure. Pay, pay when, when the books, yeah. So when she gets caught doing her like a uh, paper scam thing, um, the nun kind of lets her stay we don't see that but obviously she does that's when she becomes a little aloof and he starts to get a little nervous but the reason is she doesn't want to admit that she had to take a job to support her family Mm -hmm. at least until her dad gets his roofing job back i I like seeing that too he gets a call while they're there and he's like oh sorry i'm still hurt yeah and he recommends another guy he's like you can trust this guy yeah like i don't know i felt real (laughs) 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 that pier was so nice where like some people recognize him and stuff and he gets into a little bit of a scuffle uh, not that that was yeah, nice. I was, yeah, I was for a second, I was like, it's so nice when they bully him and drink, <laughs> drink at his head. No, no. I just love the romance between our two main characters here. And you mentioned it. You know it tugged at my heartstrings when they go watch Never Been Kissed, which is her favorite movie at like a, I don't know, well, what is that called? Movie Night at the Park? Like Yeah, Movie Night at the Park. It's not drive-in, but it's just like laying at the park and watching it. Finally. No way. What is going on with you? Nothing. I'm fine. No, you're not fine. You don't even look like you're on this planet half the time. Adam, look, you can trust her. No, you're right. There is something. Yeah, just show her who you are. Tell her about us. Don't do that. There's been a lot going on at home lately. I've been feeling really alone. Sorry. But I don't feel that way when I'm with you. Oh. So. I wanted. I wanted to know if you'd want to go to prom with me. I know it's an extension of the patriarchy and everything, but would you? Only if you tell people that I asked you. Deal. Deal. You never been kissed, fan? Have you seen Never Been Kissed? I've actually never seen it. That's a movie. I figured I've only seen it once, to be honest with you. I definitely want to cover it here because people swear by that movie, and it's actually really good. But it's not a movie that a lot of guys saw growing up. I think we've talked about this. Growing up. There were guys movies and there was girls movies. We like were, now, I don't know, like, at least that's I, the thing. I was watching Adam Sandler and then there were those typical, like, I don't know, like that, that's like, I have an older sister. So like, that's what she was watching. Like never been kissed. Yeah. So I thought maybe you might've seen it on a Ryan Freed family movie night. Like that's <laughs> when those worlds would converge on Ryan Freed family movie nights. It's, it's true. There's a very, if it was going to happen, that would be, you know, I mean, <laughs> like I had never seen home fries before covering it, uh, you know, early on in foodie films. I'm not a big Drew Barrymore fan, to be honest. I'm sorry for the... I know everyone loves her now. She's got a talk show. Uh. <laughs> I'd like to just watch all her movies. Again, I know she hasn't... like. They're not a lot that are like, going to blow you out of the water. But they are all in like a similar feel and genre, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, they're mostly... I, I don't think we're the guys to do that podcast. That's not what I'm saying. I mean, but... they're mostly rom-coms, right? Like, that's... Mm-hmm. I'd say so. Yeah. But that's also, like, a moment when he's just really falling apart. He's decided to stop taking the medication. There's an earlier scene where Maya kind of has a little gift for him where uh, her dad her dad calls in a favor, essentially, and lets him cook in, like, an industrial-sized kitchen. And he's so excited about it, which is awesome. And when she cooks for him, it just... I guess she says it's, like, a little too spicy. She's been trying to be nice about it. She's not like, I don't like this, you know? She's like, no, it's good. But he knows. She's a real straight shooter. And when she's lying, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. And that's when he starts to be like, oh, shit. Like, what's going on? Yeah, he's like, it tastes fine to me. Like Again, one of the scariest moments to not have that self-awareness of the thing you thought you were amazing at. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then he also finds out that his mom is pregnant. Oh, yes. So, thing two is that, that his mom's pregnant with... Uh, we haven't talked a lot about the Walton Goggins character. Because there's not much to talk about. But not in a bad way. I like that he was kind of mysterious as Paul because we he just seemed like the asshole stepdad. Not an asshole in a sense he was mean to him, but just like didn't really connect with him. You could see a situation where a man or woman would get together with someone and then there's this child from another marriage who has these mental problems and you don't have the patience for it. Yeah, and be you like, and I, are, I didn't sign up for this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You and I are both not parents yet. The yet is not implying anything. <laughs> you and I are both not parents. Well, you're though. yeah, you're not a parent yet. I'm not a parent that I know of. Yes, that you know of. <laughs> but I think it's something that I've thought of, and I'm sure you've thought of, like, you know, if my child has something, you have to be there for them, but... It's going to be really, really, really hard. So you could imagine if, like, exactly, like you said, like, not sign up for. It's not that fucked up to say that. No, this movie, watching this movie, there's movies that I watch that make me go, like, I, I okay, yeah, no, I'm, I mean, right now, I, I say, I know that I'm not even, I'm not even ready to have a dog yet, get a dog yet, yet alone, <laughs> alone have a kid. But there's things that I watch, I'm like, yeah, I definitely, I don't, I don't, like, I don't want to get a dog yet and then there's things and this is something that i'm like that just made me so fearful towards having a kid you gotta have a lot of strength you gotta you have, have a lot, lot of you have to have a lot of strength but then also like a big thing that i just try to tell myself a lot is just like if you just live your life in fear you're never gonna do anything so, oh for sure like, for sure i'm sure his mother didn't sign up for this either but she loves her son and this is what she does for him but you could see a scenario where uh, Walton Goggins' character would kind of be like, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know what to do. And even leave the mom or do something. So when he finds out that she's pregnant, it's suddenly like, oh, it's not going to be me and my mom forever now. This guy's tethered with us for the long term. Yeah. And also, I mean, the the uh, the darkness eventually like says it to him, but it was even before like it became a story beat or Adam's uh, thought is that like, yeah, like she's replacing him. You know, the, the, this this For will be sure. this will be the kid that um, the good one. Yeah, you know, the one that doesn't right. have the yeah. disorder. Yeah. So it's important to note that the book was written like a diary, so everything is from his perspective. That makes sense with the whole not seeing the therapist. Yeah. Yeah. So I think our view of I don't again I don't know if it's a stepdad or his mom's boyfriend or whatever our view of him and us not seeing a lot of him makes sense in that respect. Uh, but he eventually has, like, kind of a big hero moment towards the end. So let's talk a, a little bit about 
the ending. As much as I want to get into Never Been Kissed, we'll do that on another episode. <laughs> He's completely, like, falling apart. He stops taking his meds, and his parents have agreed to tell uh, the head nun everything that's going on with his treatment. And, you know, they disclose that, I believe, right? And because of that, despite him doing very well, we see that he has the highest grade on, like, a proficiency exam in the entire school. Yeah, because that was one of the nuns was like, you have to keep at least a 3.5. Yeah, and have it be in the ni- get 90 or above on this test, and he does better than anyone on this test. When she finds out he stops taking his medication... It's a sad moment when the mom finds out, too, because she feels totally betrayed. But the nun is worse. She gives zero tolerance, and she essentially kicks him out of school. But before that, you, there's this moment where, with the darkness where he's seeing it surround him, and, and Walton Goggins is on the computer, and you see him writing a letter to the nun, and you don't know what it says, right? And, and everything's implying, especially in his world, that he's talking shit about him, and he... Yeah, because earlier her in the know. film, he like takes his knives away from him. He makes the, mm-hmm. the like the knives that they even use at dinner, like plastic knives. Good call. Yeah. So the, you know he's taking away one of his few joys, even you know in his mind. So he's just he's taking away his mom. He's taking away cooking. Now he's taking away the school. There's at one point there's like an implication that he should go to like maybe like a hospital or a special school. Yeah. You know, not just like that kind of school. So you think that he he might be ratting him out, but instead. We find out, well, we find out a little later. I guess I don't want to spoil it, even though you should have seen it by now. But he ends up getting kicked out of school, but it's it's at the worst time ever because he has a prom. Like, uh, Well, he's suspended. He's suspended. Okay, yes, to be fair, he's suspended, but he cannot go to school grounds. It's like, yeah. v- it's very clear he can't do anything related to that. And if he's suspended and, he, and eventually if he gets expelled and he can't graduate, he's not going to cooking school. It's really bad. But Maya has agreed to go to prom with him and I love what she says. She's like, All right, I'll go with you. She wants to go with him. They're, you know, very much a couple at this point, but she's like, just tell everyone that I asked you. Yeah, because what it's uh, prom is one of those very patriarchal kind of things. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. It definitely is. I was see look look, ladies and gentlemen, your slumberers. Is that that right? That's what you call yes, them? Your slumberers. Yes. This is how I'm a very misunderstood individual. Uh, this is how progressive I am. I didn't go to a single high school dance because I, I, I knew, I knew all the way back from 2001 to 2005, this world of these dances and how patriarchal they were. And I just, I really just didn't want to put a single girl woman through that. So, um, I am, that's your story and you're sticking to pat myself on the back and yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it was. Fair, fair. I just think, I think just, you know, we've talked about uh, on this podcast how I was unjustifiably didn't receive best hair in our yearbook. For sure. Um, You know, I was just very much cheated out of a lot of things. And so I just wanted credit where credit was due. That's that's just, I'll leave it at that. (laughs) Well, I don't buy it, but (laughs) we'll see. Maybe the slumberers will give you that credit. (laughs) Who knows? They can tell I'm being really sincere. (laughs) So this prom, he shows up anyway, and he's not supposed to, and he's really going through this, like, withdrawal. He's sweating. (laughs) No, he he takes all the pills, right? Oh, sorry, that's what's going on. Which, that didn't lead to, like, I thought there was going to be, like, a a stomach pump moment or anything like that. Well, there might have been. Maybe, yeah, once he gets in the ambulance. But, yeah, he takes all those pills. That's what happens. You're right. So he takes all those pills, and it's just some crazy reaction. It seems okay. 
By the way, he had a moment to tell her about everything at a... At the diner. At the diner, but also at the Never Been Kissed night. And even his, like, visions are telling him to. And he doesn't. So that's unfortunate. Because we learn that she's super understanding her. We're seeing this here. But when he goes to the to the prom, seems like it's going to be okay. But he, his body's just not feeling it. He feels the darkness around him. And he ends up having... You know, when he sees the nun, he runs away and has this nasty fall, kind of embarrassing himself in front of the school. But that's the least of his concerns. He wakes up in the ambulance. It's and lucky he didn't break his neck. He goes up into the, that's like in the, like, I don't know, gymnasium with like a stage and rafters and a catwalk. And he climbs Yeah, it's like up a it. catwalk. Yeah, he falls off of that. I mean, they got him in a neck brace and everything. But like, yeah, he pushes the nun and he just, you know, is just, just totally like hopped up on these pills. Oh, it's terrible. You know, first he wakes up in the ambulance, but then later when he wakes up in the hospital bed and he's just, like, uh, restrained, it's a scary moment. It's a scary moment. Yeah. Yeah, you think maybe it's a hospital at first because they're kind of cut in tight and then they go wide. He's got the restraints on the hands and the legs and it's just this very bland, you know, room and you're like, oh, he's in, like, a psychiatric facility. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's tough because she... Uh, Maya sees him there and she's basically you know she wants to connect with him but he's not ready for that he's not ready for it oh there was also <laughs> I wrote down specifically I think bef- yeah, before the big freak out kind of like or before the pills like but when he's ends up getting um suspended there's that scene and it's like all like the dutch angles like to make it like <laughs> kind of like he's like out of the element you love a good dutch angle love a good dutch angle yeah it's one of your favorite angles and one of your favorite film mediums but we'll leave it at that <laughs> Oh, and that's also when we see all the, during that whole freakout is when we see the writing all over the bathroom walls. Yeah, yeah, it's just all, uh, it's tough, it's so tough. But when, you know, he is in the hospital and he is recovering, and it's nice to see, because we get one of our favorites here. Father Patrick visits him, and they have a little brief, nice little moment. You know, not much is said, but he, I forgot the exact phrasing he says, hopefully I'll find the clip of it. It kind of makes him feel better about the situation. It's nice to feel that... Like, Father Patrick cared. Like, the nun didn't visit him, you know? Yeah, like, as Father Patrick explains it, you know, he didn't he didn't know the situation, you know, Adam's specific situation. So he really, when he was at confession, couldn't give him the appropriate advice versus your generic religious uh, kind of allegorical uh, stories of advice. Because he's, you know, like, he could definitely tell, like, something was up and said, you seem mature for your age and, and stuff like that. And uh, and Adam is saying that he doesn't necessarily believe in God in those early confessions. So everything I say stays between us. And God. But since you don't believe in God, then I guess it's just us. I, I see this psychiatrist and apparently she tells my mom everything. And that bothers you? Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't want your mom reading your diary, right? <laughs> no. You're right, that's twisted. I, I, I don't think that I should feel like I have someone watching over me all the time. I, I feel like I should be able to live my own life, right? Now that is a reasonable request. Because you should have the space and autonomy to become the person you're going to be. Right. Thank you. You're welcome. It's nice to be heard and not just observed. It's nice to be listened to. Yeah. Okay. I absolve you of your sins in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Oh, I didn't confess anything. Just go with it. Mm-hmm. But um, and again, they're confessions, and the, but they're more like they're more like him just talking. And yeah, you know what? It, se- it seems like Father Patrick is enjoying his time with him. You know, because it's like more of a real conversation than he's used to having. But of course, he doesn't know because it, they have kind of asked everyone to keep it secret about his condition just because yeah. he was bullied in the last school. But he has a nice little moment here. Yeah, which is also what Adam says in the in I think the first his first like confession, his first conversation with Father Patrick is because he's not happy with with his I guess the, you know the therapist that he's seeing, and so he's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's nice to talk to somebody and uh, to just like talk to, and he, and I think Father Patrick says and listened to and or and heard by versus just a one sided talking to a therapist, and yeah, that's so he's think I talked to a therapist only a few times in my life i never went steadily but you always see the the uh um cliche of you know just people getting annoyed because they're taking notes and it's not a conversation it's a it's an interview and he just wants to have a conversation and be heard yeah yeah for sure oh but the nice moment we really get is you know when his family visits him and they kind of show that uh Walton Goggins character he didn't write a nasty email or like an email ratting him out he actually really stood up for him and he calls him my son and probably the most emotional moment of the movie because it's like he's even accepted uh his stepfather or whatever is even accepted his role in his life and he'll pretty much do anything for him now and and when Adam accepts that too maybe it's a little corny maybe it's a little cheesy I got emotional I was like wow you know what this is the well-earned moment that's what I thought, at least. No, that's exactly like with the Walton Goggins. I'm just like, uh, you know, he's like, he really is one of my like favorite character actors, and just like, and usually can play like over the top pretty well. And while I wasn't expecting that necessarily for this character, I'm just like, ah, oh, it's he's not, you know, not in a whole lot, but he really ends up being, you know, ends up being this reveal moment that ends up being kind of like this heart anchor moment of this love that he has for this kid that you know yeah he just like i don't know has been in his life for maybe if a few you know only like two three years at the most now like at the most and mm-hmm. sure okay start dating both you know him and uh you know uh the mom are like older or whatever so he's like okay i'm dating this woman with a kid the kid end up ends up having some mental health issues and now also he's they're going to be having uh you know i think it ends up being a daughter but he is just like you said like you read this note where uh when adam was totally thinking that it was well uh, you know there's uh, paul like you know writing in and telling the principal that every everything about adam ends up that he was totally going to bat for him and just being this very supportive parent and saying like like shame on you for judging him and you know like i will always be there for him i will always defend him and yeah just creates this beautiful moment that adam uh, the mom leaves the you know printed out the email and leaves it on his bed and he reads it and he goes downstairs and just ends up you know really you know embracing paul and you just see you know like paul saying i love you buddy i'm like i'm always here for you and just you know just really a beautiful moment that i'm like okay yeah like they got me and you know (laughs) (laughs) and this leads to kind of like you know the big 
his big school moment of the film. He asked them to bring him to graduation. And earlier in the film, he had been accepted to read an essay at graduation. So I guess he sees it as his right. This and would it's never also happen. like a parallel to that moment with Drew that they comment on Drew Barrymore and never mm-hmm. been kissed. Yeah. I was going to say, this would never happen in real life. As soon as they would see him, they'd be like, get him out of here, you know? Yeah. But he, he's able to sneak onto the stage kind of, and he talks about his illness. And by the way, did you, did you notice the weird anomaly here? The weird anomaly. Um, no, I'll just say, yeah. how many in-person class of 2020 graduations they were there? You know, it's because oh. they filmed it before that, yeah. so they didn't know COVID. So good point. It's gonna be it's gonna be one of these weird things like class of 2020. Wait a second, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but when he gets up there, he talks about his illness, and he's very frank and he's very honest. Um, you know, he kind of has his. I don't want to say Jerry Maguire moment because Jerry Maguire does it at the beginning of the film, but you know it. Oh, I guess it is a Jerry Maguire moment because it's more like the living room Jerry Maguire thing. Like, Yeah, I mean, the room is filling up with like the darkness smoke and the whole crowd. And then once he finally says it out loud, this secret that he's been like living with for a while and just i mean there's just so many things like and you don't know who you are when you're that age and there's no. things you're learning about yourself i mean you know like this is yes this is about mental health issues and and bringing awareness to it but definitely you know explored more and in in teen genre is sexuality and just and just seeing how much that's progressed but that was just such a for a long time like you know uh, you know, coming out and, and figuring out mm-hmm. who you are and everything that comes with that. That's what this moment is for him with saying it out loud. I, I am a schizophrenic. And that's when the darkness starts to, you know, dissipate and just retract back like the like the smoke monster of Lost. <laughs> a lot of, uh, what's his name? Damon Lindelof? Is that his name? Yeah, Damon Lindelof. I guess Joey and I, that's the, again, I mean, we've said it before, but that's where we agree. But I guess we're Damon Lindelof fans. <laughs> I agree with you. It's hard being a teenager as it is, you know, to have something like this, whatever it is, whether it's a mental illness, a physical illness, you know, or even, like you said, if you're different, quote unquote, in some way. It's tough. Yeah. It's an, uh, another layer, but if you can own that and admit it, and it's not easy, that's the first step. So he has this kind of beautiful, poetic little moment here. The nun is not too happy, but whatever. Yeah. Father Patrick gives a little nod. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he runs out, and Maya catches up with him. Hey, I'm, I'm sorry about the hospital. No, I don't care about no, the hospital. I, I was just in a bad place, and you have I know. every I, right to hate me. I, I, if you I don't, don't hate you. Take stop. Is that why you didn't tell me? Because you thought that I was going to leave? Hey. Right here. No. I'm just, I'm always going to see things and and hear things that I shouldn't. And the drugs aren't always going to work. And I'm sorry, but I can't put you through that. I'm sorry. With him and they have a cute little thing where she basically says like i'm with you for this like i'm here for you i know what you're going through maybe she doesn't know no but yeah like, but you like know. you don't get to decide for me and that kind of stuff. yeah exactly which uh, is little, nice uh, which, is, which is nice but again like a little moment so i'm like you know because i mean that definitely has been said i feel like in other mental health issue movies or just other 
uh, there's just like so many like that are just like on the tip of my tongue, but I'm just not thinking of exactly one per se where, but I've heard, you know, I've definitely heard that dialogue in movies. Like you don't get to decide for me, like I'm here for you. And I just feel like saying like, uh, you know, like she's clearly a, a very smart and driven woman. It's like, <laughs> you know, like, like anybody, like it's not about even the mental health at this point. It's just like, don't go deciding that this is the love of your life at this moment. And like well... yourself. <laughs> Welcome to High School Slumber Party. That's like the one flaw in all the movies we cover. Are we really rooting for 18-year-olds to be together forever? Mm, <laughs> you know? But I, I can suspend that for this movie because they do make a cute couple, and I do like them. I'll suspend that. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But hopefully they could be friends, you know, and she could always be supportive. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and he could support her and, you know, whatever. We'll see. But, but uh, at least they end when we want them to end. <laughs> the movies, not the couple. Yes. <laughs> that we don't have to see, like, and they broke up. And this had a good one. What, what was the runtime of this movie? It had a good pace. Yeah, and it was pretty long. An hour and 50 minutes is kind of long for a teen film. So, but I, you're right. I thought it had a really good pace. It had a good pace, um, yeah, but it was dealing with some heavy topics. So, we should acknowledge the end, end, though. I mean, yeah, he has a baby born. He's a good brother or whatever, but. He gets into culinary school, and it looks really fun, and he's got his own set of knives, so good for him. He must have corrected something. I'm hoping that, like, you know, the school, like, forgave him. They let him take some credits, because also, if you're the top student like that, cut the guy a little bit of slack if he has a mental illness, right? Well, it seems like it's, like, right towards the end of the year, and just as far as, like, I, I, don't, I don't know exactly how it is with, like, culinary school, but, like, I mean... You know, this is the end of the year as far as getting, like, accepted into a college. That happens all the way back in the earlier date, you know. The only thing I was thinking is that perhaps that incident, like, there's a police report filed. Oh, sure. You, yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I, I was just even thinking, like, yeah, as far as story B goes, I'm like, the last, like, couple of months of school or, you know, kind of when you're a senior, not like, I don't want to say piece of cake, BS. but, you know, yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. You get, got senioritis. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> we end happily, but also not where all the bows are tied, because he's basically he's not on the medication anymore. He's just trying to deal with it. Maybe another medication will be invented that works for him. Maybe it won't. We don't know. But it's a happy ending, but also an incomplete ending, which I love because if they were just like, and I was cured of schizophrenia, and everything was happy, and yeah. she went to college <laughs> with me, like that would be lame. No, the, but the two biggest things are that, and he says it. It's through his speech, and he says it in his speech. So by having that speech and speaking out loud and addressing that he is a schizophrenic, like admitting that, that's just like a weight off of his heart as far as just like the secret that he's been really, you know, that's been burdening him. And then in his speech saying that he's accepted that these, there are people in his corner. There are people that are there for him and will help him. And that's, you know, like, like we, we saw that obviously with the letter that, uh, or the email that Paul sent. And then afterwards, as you just said, Maya going up and saying, I'm going to be there for you. And then even when he's holding his baby sister and Paul, you know, like, you know, has this moment that he's noticing, you know, I mean, he's a new parent. He's looking at his stepson. That's a schizophrenic holding the baby. And he sees like his eyes kind of like looking off and he, and it's always, you know, the darkness always seems to come from like a closet or another room. And he just shuts the door and gives him like a little wink, like, okay, like it's all good. Doors closed. Like, don't worry about it. Yeah. So it's nice. Yeah, I mean, I'm satisfied, you know? <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I mean, anything else you wanted to mention in the movie? Or should we just get to our awards? 
Oh, one little just a high school thing I totally, or I mean, I'm sure probably did in middle school too, but just one little school thing like it reminded me of that I forgot we used to do was at one point when they're uh, doing a group thing in class, they had all four desks facing towards one another in like a little group. I'm like, I forgot about that. Like that was such a like I don't know. Yeah. It was always like a yeah, fun weird. thing to do. Like I always think intimate. of we like, we were in a math class together that I remember have, like doing it was you me what Wes and 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 Sam and like we would be in like a little click of math class <laughs> and, and not learning <laughs> yeah. anything because we would just screw around. <laughs> yeah. So is that really the best way to put the desks? No, no. That. But it was just it was just something <laughs> I haven't thought about in the longest time, and I was like, oh yeah, that's something you know we would do. It was just a fun little room. Hilarious. Hilarious. Okay, so let's get to our awards. We got some new things here in 2021 in High School Slumber Party. So this is our new award. Think of it as like who's the MVP of the film, who's like who came out the best here. So this one is called Most Likely to Succeed. Who won the movie? Uh who won the movie? I mean, both of our young lead characters were were great. So, uh, and I want to get there. So Charlie Plummer and Taylor Russell, uh, I'm going to give it to Taylor Russell. So Maya's character. Maya's so character. Ta- yes. I, I don't know. I think I might myself give it to Adam only because of something you kind of said, like, girl, do you really want to be at 18 and saying this is the person for your whole life? You know? Oh, wait, are you saying the character school. or the, no, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. The character who, which character like comes out the best out of this. And I I say only Adam. It's about Adam, really, the story. And I say him because he, yes, he had a very low low, but he ends up going to culinary school. Yeah, no, okay, then yes, Adam. Yes, yeah. But, I mean, I think, it's not that Maya ends up bad in this. It's just, like, Adam went from the lowest low to... No, but also, I mean, her, she's definitely, like, a vehicle for his story. Like, she has... The you know the two subplots of the film end up being like that she is the writing the uh, essays that's like one and then from that is the tangent of she's doing it for money for uh, you know I mean I'm also assuming she has to be not that roofers don't make decent money but it just seems like she, I'm assuming she has to be there on some kind of scholarship or, yeah yeah you know. no it said she's there on a scholarship oh, okay. just like yeah. And then the thing is, she's probably getting a scholarship to college, too, but that doesn't pay the bills at home. No, exactly. So, MVP, Adam. All right, you know these awards? Wooderson Award. Is there a character here that you would have liked to have seen more of? Okay, so, I was going to say, you know, like I was thinking about these even before we started recording, Mm -hmm. and I was going to say Walton Goggins. And then through our conversation of this episode, because of what ends up being his story arc and having that like heart anchor moment of his email at the end, the lack thereof of him in the movie and why he's kind of quiet is for like this reveal of this, you know, heavy, you know, this heartthrob moment or, you know, heart, heart pulling heartstrings moment, I should say. So now, because I, I no longer, I'm going to say Walton Goggins, I will say Andy Garcia because there's never such thing as, too much Andy Garcia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I think the Walton Goggins thing is on purpose that we don't learn exactly, about exactly to make that mm, to really give you that punch at the end. So I would have taken a little bit more Andy Garcia, as you said. You can never get enough of Andy Garcia. I, I don't, know, I don't know how or when. Maybe like I mean, there's not many classes we see them in, but like you know, I understand he's the father of 
you know, who's the priest of that school. So he's not like he's the principal, you know, or anything like that. That nun is the principal. But maybe he would teach like a class. I don't know. Maybe, you know. (laughs) I feel like he leads the church. Yeah, he leads the church. But still, I'm just trying to think of like what other ways we could have seen him in like, you know, like in other scenes in the movie. So who knows? But again, more Andy Garcia. Yeah. (laughs) Opposite Long Duck Dong Award. Is there a character whose omission would make the film better? Um, none. I don't think any of the visions were redundant. You know, they represented different parts of his character. So none of them. I really couldn't come up with someone for this. There wasn't really like an ancillary character who was like, this is the friend, you know, or, or there were, they're also for an hour and 50 minute movie. There weren't really like side plots, if that makes sense. Yeah. We only get one other scene with the characters from the original school you went to. So it's nothing, you know, nothing too drawn out when it came to those story beats. So, yeah, no, I really don't. I can't think of anything. Yeah, nothing felt like too much or like, come on or anything like that. So, I mean, honestly, modern movies rarely have a character you want to admit. I feel like they're just tighter, if that makes sense. Cameron Fry Award. Did anyone look too old to be a high schooler? Mm, No. You already mentioned that Taylor was like 23, 24, but I think she looked the age. Yeah. Charlie Plummer's 21. He looked like a high schooler to me. Yeah, they all uh, they pulled it off. And we don't get to know a lot more high schoolers, so yeah, I think they pulled it off as well. All right. So Rotten Tomatoes, 89% from the critics. That's good. Yeah. 94% by the audience. And like I said, it's a shame that a movie that's getting that high marks, not enough people have seen it or know it. This year I've been doing Letterboxd. Just to give the nerds a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a voice here on the show. <laughs> nerds don't like it as much, but still a decent score. 3.5 out of 5. So pretty good. Pretty good. Especially for a teen film. When you think about like, the other stuff they review. But Kyle, we don't care about any of that. I have, I have that card stock report card in my hand. I'm sliding it towards you. I'm giving you the red pen. You can give A plus to F scale on this film. What will you grade words on bathroom walls? I'll give it a solid B+. Same grade I had, B+. I'm trying to be a little bit more discerning, if you will, and not give out so many A's. I think a B-plus is a really good score for this film. I recommend this film to anyone. You know, I was tempted for that A-, but B-plus as well. I think it did a great job. One of the things keeping me from giving it that A, too, is like, I don't know anyone with schizophrenia. I'd love for someone with schizophrenia and this movie didn't get big enough where there was a lot of people like speaking about it so i don't know but i would love for someone with schizophrenia to be like oh that's it that's exactly how it's like or yeah this is kind of making a joke of my thing like i just don't know you know and i know you don't know so that's something that's giving me a little bit of pause because i don't want to be like this is the best movie and someone come out of the woodwork and be like hey it was super offensive you know what i mean (laughs) Yeah, no, I know what you mean, and uh, yeah, I mean, I guess those are my reasons as well. Um, I mean, I know we, we, I think what, we gave another round, what, at least an A, or maybe I said... If we didn't, we should have. <laughs> I think I might have said A-, minus just because I wanted to keep that, but then you reminded me that there's A pluses, so I said that there was an A. <laughs> but yeah, you know, B+, plus I think is a pretty fair great and i i I guess just because maybe a little bit of the story and Mm -hmm. uh you know know, some stereotypical beats and or cliche i should say not stereotypical yeah we're not gonna pretend that that's not here you know it is definitely here it's it's a perfect film no but is it a good film yeah and as a film like i'll say for the millionth time in this episode i wish more people got to see 
Okay, weird kind of question, but you know it, the sleeping bag question. <laughs> you and I are having our slumber party. We have our words on bathroom walls, themed sleeping bags. What does yours look like? Uh, looks like a urinal. <laughs> does it have like the graffiti on yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. It's just... <laughs> okay, mine is going to look like... Oh, wait, no, can I change mine? Oh, change it, change it. Confession booth. Ooh, okay, I can't. That's even better than mine. I was just going to do like a priestly frock but no confession booth is we can have no but that's the whole thing since i mean come on we're having a slumber party you're the one you're the one side on the other (laughs) fair fair we could do that (laughs) i mean there's no uh you know we don't really have a food themed one so yeah okay we'll do that i'll I'll be the priest you'll be the booth (laughs) (laughs) no no i was saying that like each side of the booth that's what i was saying Oh, okay. Or should we just bring booths to the slumber party and sit down there? <laughs> yeah, we just <laughs> we just talk until we pass out. <laughs> <laughs> like a good slumber like party. A, exactly. <laughs> All right, Kyle, my favorite question every week. You and I are in the magical, magical blockbuster in the sky <laughs> that has every single movie to ever exist up until this point today. That's where all the blockbusters are now, up in the sky. <laughs> true, true. Except I think there's one in Oregon, yeah, there's one but in whatever. Oregon, yeah. But we get to the counter. We see a sign. It's there every week, but it surprises me every week for some reason. And it says, rent two movies, get one free. And I say, Kyle, I'll hold our place in line. Go to the back, get two movies for our trifecta slumber party. What two other movies are you getting for our uh, words on bathroom walls slumber party? Well, you mentioned one already, uh, A Beautiful Mind. Ooh. Yeah, go ahead. Again, I haven't seen it in a while. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you know what? And I just listened to... uh, uh, you know, I've been watching WandaVision, and I listened to Paul Bettany on uh, the podcast. You made it weird, and he's someone Ooh. I mentioned the word. I mentioned the word earlier, smitten. He's someone that I'm smitten over. Um, and I think the he's first really thing good I, in that. Yeah, I think it's the first film I ever saw him in. I think I saw that before Knight's Tale, because uh, that's one of the earliest like films he's ever in. That's yeah. I'm wondering what I saw first. Yeah, uh, it's like because it's like those two, and I forget what else is like right after that. Kiss oh, Kiss uh, Bang Bang. No, that's not the that's not the same Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I was like, is it, I was going to ask. I don't remember him being. No, because that's in two thousand. <laughs> oh. yeah. No, because then after that, I know the. I mean, we we definitely saw him and like saw the movies he was in right around the time that they came out. Because then after that, after Beautiful Mind is Master and Commander, which you know we've both seen. Well, yes. So I saw him in a Beautiful Mind for sure. Night's Tale, Beautiful Mind around the same. I think I saw Night's Tale first. I would if Mind. I was if I was a betting man, I'd say you probably saw that. First, just because you probably saw it like around the time that like came out and saw it with friends in theaters, I just didn't. <laughs> Master and Commander, I saw in the theaters. Uh, not that it's a bad movie, but I remember being like, "Ooh, this is a slow." Is this character a scientist? He's all about going to the Galapagos. I, I think so. I can't remember. <laughs> I only saw it that one time. But yeah, I remember. Th- I remember he was controversial. His casting in the Da Vinci Code because he was albino and it's like he's not albino in real life. Oh God, it's called fucking acting. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Bill Burr has a great bit on that where he's just like, they didn't cast a murderer as a murderer. Like, <laughs> but uh, yeah, in him in a beautiful mind, that's where I learned the word prodigal from. The prodigal roommate returns. Yes, and yes. so yeah. So, so what's your other film? Uh, another movie that uh, also. Um, Talks about mental uh, health, mental health awareness. What about Bob? What about Bob? Okay, cool. Need some levity in there. Need some levity. That's an insightful and fun series of movies. You know, yeah, we're I, th- be I think, I think we would have started with uh, w- with this film. Words, uh, words on bathroom walls. 
and then uh, the, the long, you know, serious film of Beautiful Mind, and then uh, just a good, you know, le- levity of What About Bob at the end. I think that would be love it, love it. I think that's a great trifecta. So, Kyle, I know you. Well, I was gonna say you technically don't have an active podcast, but we have one together. P.S. I love Hoffman, where we talk the films and watch films of Philip Seymour Hoffman. But Foodie Films, tell people where they could listen to it and you know i know you don't have a return date for that yet well let me not steal your thunder say whatever you want to say well first i'm going to say this because you didn't have me say in the beginning kyle reinfried class of 05 North, oh my god northern valley regional high school at ultapan go golden knights <laughs> Hat, ooh, i've only forget forgotten a handful of times but usually i catch myself i was like we were we like five got- minutes in i'm like i'll save it till the end <laughs> <laughs> good catch good catch so yes the introduction <laughs> brian make a note to uh, tell people who this is on the intro this is my this is, this is my epitaph so uh foodie films obviously part of the cage club podcast network family yeah just at uh right around christmas i think the wednesday before christmas reached a hundred episodes and th- those episodes being you know i mean in the f- I did a count. I forget the exact number now. Um, I think like 63, something in the 60s are are movie food-centric films. And then the other ones are episodes called First Cuts, where I talk to people that work in the uh, food and drink industry or just, uh, you know, love it as much as I do. Uh, So I've had some like musicians and comedians on talking about their interest in it as well. And yeah, like I said, hit 100 episodes and wanted to take a little break, a little palate cleanser there. See what I did, and um, <laughs> and yeah, hopefully gonna come back. I'm uh, thinking around uh, Valentine's Day maybe, but it's been a slow. It's coming up soon. Coming I know up exactly. Soon. It was only like three weeks away. <laughs> I, I really I wanted to have uh, a decent amount of episodes backlogged just because, as I said earlier, without bothering you guys too much with with the info, it's just yeah, it's kind of hard getting. Um, people uh that don't work in podcasts doing podcasts so um yeah that's that's where i'm with that but there's hey there's a hundred episodes for you guys to check out and uh i think i'm even going to be on not for the full full lap but i think on the uh too fast and forever i'm going to be on an episode i think in the lap that they're doing now because they're doing japanese films and so they wanted you to do japanese foodie film with me oh which one do you know uh, Tempopo. Gotcha, gotcha. Cool. Yeah. So well that, well, that should be fun. Yeah. So just uh, ch- check me out, and then obviously, as Brian said, we've got P.S. I still love Hoffman, and we've got all those P.S. I love Hoffman episodes for you guys to check out. But P.S. I still love Hoffman, where that's like our rewatches, like DVD commentary. So it's a great place to go and explore the uh, just impeccable career of the late great Philip Seymour Hoffman, my favorite actor of all time. Oh, which is, you know, something that um, this film reminded me a little bit. I, I was just, I always think like, I wish there was a Philip Seymour Hoffman movie I could do a, a food centric episode on. There are some foodie scenes like, you know, pizza in Along Came Polly, uh, Twister, food, we crave sustenance. And then there's that great, for him, like Adam in this film, cooking for him in uh, Jack Goes Boating. 
and and he's someone that's dealing with mental health issues in that movie and so i just it was a there was moments in this movie and just how this is a form of you know adam can communicate in this movie that's something that jack wanted to do something nice when he was becoming uh i'll use the word again it's the word of the day today's brought to you by the word smitten when he's becoming smitten (laughs) smitten over amy ryan in that movie jack goes boating so check that out and then check out our episode where we talk about it and our episode where we do commentary on it lots of fun i promise you that and uh this was lots of fun kyle especially if with a serious serious subject but yeah between this, this and not... another, another round you're just having me on for all these serious films maybe this is an intervention maybe <laughs> <I'm>, I'm... <laughs> this is this and then with the nuns in this it reminded me i, I told you i wanted to be in uh, sister act two back in the habit i want to be on that episode well john harden does as well so we'll, we'll get you on for that one oh we'll so, have to be on so. england time or something well, yes, when he returns from uh, England vis- visiting his wife. And Paul we'll, we'll get on Sister <laughs> Act 2. <laughs> well, thanks again, Kyle. And, uh, you know, uh, I was going to say stay uncool, but that's your thing, and that's not even this show. Uh, <laughs> there's always more to cut. There's no slumber thing, because I just go to an outro. So thanks, I guess. <laughs> Unless you want to say something. Nope. <laughs> shame, shame, shame on me. I can't believe I forgot, forgot to introduce him at the beginning of the episode. I mean, I introduced him in the intro, but it wasn't the traditional introduction. My OCD was going crazy when I was editing. I'm like, no, no, no. But, you know, it's Kyle Reinford. He's been here long enough. If this is your first episode, I apologize. Listen to other episodes to see how guests usually intro themselves, or I prompt them to do it at least. Oh, boy. Anyway, big thank you to Kyle that was awesome. Words on bathroom walls. So cool talking about a new movie, a new-ish movie. I like talking modern films as much as I like talking nostalgia. That's for sure. Let me see. Oh, one note I want to correct. The really awesome film that's getting a lot of Oscar buzz is Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always. I mistitled it, so I want to apologize for that. Other way, keep up the positivity this year, guys. Keep being positive. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> and let's talk about your homework for next week. Mike Manzi, the most tenured high school slumber party guest ever. He's going to be back, and we're talking a film called Drill Bit Taylor. Looking for a bodyguard? I work for the hardest gangsters in the world. See Lolo, Shinobi? Hey, I still work for Tupac even though he did. I am Israeli military secret service. I'll go beat their ass right here, right now. Look no further. I'm Drillbit Taylor. As a bodyguard, I've protected three vice presidents, Bobby Brown and Sylvester Stallone. Not quite as tough as he looks. Who do you guys need protection from? Just a high school bully. Help me! You know what this is? It's a wing, and you're under it. All three of you, right there. This is very disturbing. Using my expertise at stealthing covert ops, I'll infiltrate the school. Oh! Teacher's lounge. It's right over there. What do you teach? English. My native tongue. (laughs) Now, it isn't all Oriental martial arts. Sometimes you give a little Mexican judo, as in judo know who you're messing with, Holmes. We need to learn how to take a punch. Let me go first. Ten being the hardest. How hard do you want? Five. In the back. I get a kick out of these kids. You're really getting into this whole teacher thing here, huh? As long as you got a coffee cup in your hand, nobody says anything. 
Oh, hello, uh, fellow teacher. This spring... Run. Stop hassling these kids. Oh, that didn't work at all. Everyone's sick of your garbage. It's gonna end now. From the guys that brought you Knocked Up... Superbad. Morning sunshine. Oh! Ah! The toilet just starts like a naked. I don't like elastic squeezing on my. And guys, my teacher. Ah! Owen Wilson. I really like it here. You're doing a great job. Hey, Scram. Scram, Roger Blocker. I've never met anyone as great as you. I'm really just always attracted to just such jerk bad guys. Some bum, just some lying pig. Stop it. I'm starting to rant a little bit. Drill Bit Taylor. Remember what Drill Bit taught us? Mind over pain. Wow. A lot of Owen Wilson in that one. For sure, we're going to be doing a lot of wows. Can't wait to hear Mike's take on it. I've never seen it. He's never seen it. But it's a film with a lot of history, which I'm sure we'll get into. One, believe it or not, it's based on a John Hughes story or a script. I'll do a deep dive and see what that's all about. But it's actually directed by Stephen Brill, who's an actor, director. But for me, and I think this podcast, even this episode, because we talked about it a little, he's the original creator of The Mighty Ducks. He wrote the first film. And what else? Oh, yeah, Seth Rogen is a co-writer. So interesting kind of set of people involved in the background here. So can't wait to watch and talk Drillbit Taylor next Friday with Mike Manzi. Really, really can't wait for that. One more thing I want to remind you guys to do. Well, it's to remember that life moves pretty fast. And if you don't stop to look around once in a while, you could miss it. Let me leave you with another song, another Chainsmokers song, off the soundtrack for Words on Bathroom Walls. It is called, appropriately, If Walls Could Talk. So get comfy in that sleeping bag. And remember... Class participation is a huge part of your grade. Let me know what you thought of Words on Bathroom Walls. Let me know what you think of Drillbutt Taylor. Or let me know whatever you want to let me know about. I was recently digging through my mom's basement, and I found some cool high school items. I posted them on social media, including a signed autograph picture from my favorite Even Stevens co-star, Margot Harshman. <laughs> oh, man. Good times. Good times. And I hope today was a good time. But... <sighs> Time for bed. Later, dudes. probably think you're going to heaven Even though you put me through hell You're preaching like you're some kind of reverend I wish you'd turn the light on yourself You thought that if you wrecked my car Those flames would mend your broken heart I know you say it's all my fault But darling, if these walls could talk They'd say that you should put down your weapons Before you go and start up a war There's no point in getting upset here 
You can tell what you're fighting for I know you're telling all your friends Those things I wish I never said I know you won't pick up my calls But darling, if these walls could talk still here it's over go home go